Welcome to the Tutor Podcast, the only weekly show for anyone who is in the business of helping people. If you're a tutor, a teacher, or a coach, the Tutor Podcast will help you start, grow, and love your tutoring business in plain English without the buzzwords and BS. If you want to make more money and make more of a difference, the Tutor Podcast will be with you every step of the way. Hi, it's Neil Kemmler here with episode 11 of the Tutor Podcast, the weekly show for anyone in the business of helping people. For tutors, teachers and coaches, or people who are just thinking about getting into the business of helping other people, using your own skills and knowledge to good, then this show is going to help you to start, grow and love your tutoring business and run your business better. I'll bring you all the news and insights and updates as they land to me and after I process them and giving you my slant on them and I'll do it in plain English without the buzzwords and the BS. So if you want to make more money and make more of a difference while you're helping people, listen and subscribe and I'll be with you every step of the way. So in today's episode we're going to be talking about business structures, the types of business structures that are available to us as tutors, deciding what's the best one for you and the reasons why it matters and the implications of going down any path. So let's dive straight in. And we'll start with the types of businesses that are common. The first one is the sole trader, where it's pretty informal and we just crack on with it more or less. Then we've got the partnership model, which is slightly different, but has elements of the sole trader from a tax point of view. And then after that, there's the limited company environment. I'll start with a sole trader. I'll just loop back and fill in some of the gaps there. A sole trader is not deemed to be a legal entity in its own right. In other words, the law sees a sole trader business as just an extension of you and me. Now, that's cheap to to start. It's very easy to implement. But there is a big downside to this, and that is exposure to risk. If your business does something and loses a ton of money or gets prosecuted or has some legal action against it, as a sole trader, you are liable to all the debts and any legal actions incurred by the business. There's no separation between you and the business from a legal point of view. You're the same thing. Now, it's very common for businesses to set up on this basis because you can pretty much decide one day to start and that's it. It's done. You don't have to register with Companies House, which is the website where businesses of a certain type have to be registered in the UK. What I do say is you must notify HMRC as early as you possibly can. I hate being taxed, guys, and I think most of us do. But please, please, please hear me out on this one. Pay your taxes and sleep soundly. If you dodge your taxes, you'll always fear being found out. I've never been investigated by the tax man. As an ex-accountant, I want to stay dead straight. A friend of mine has been investigated. It took over two years for the tax man to essentially decide there was nothing much to go after and would settle for five grand. Two years of time and five grand for being pretty much legit. Now, tax investigations are a pain and they will cost you money. 
But more than that, they're going to gobble up your precious time and you could be better spending your time making more money and helping people and growing your business. Wouldn't you agree? Now, when I say pay your taxes, I want you to remember it's completely proper that you minimise your tax liability. Your duty in law is to pay only the minimum required by law. So it's therefore wise for you and for me to plan our businesses to be what we want first and then figure out how to optimise your tax affairs. Do your own research, get in touch and talk to experts, find a really good accountant. And always, always minimise your tax burden within the letter and the spirit of the law. It is legitimate and fair to pay as little tax as possible. And for heaven's sake, don't get involved in anything that's tax evasion or tax avoidance. It just isn't going to be worth it because you'll always be looking over your shoulder. Get the peace of mind, pay your taxes, and the best way I know to minimise the effect of paying taxes is to earn more money. Then when you pay your taxes, you've got more money left over because you started off with more. Now, as a sole trader, there is an important aspect to consider if you're still working in a PAY job, if you're still in your day job, as it were, and you're not completely free of that yet. And that's this. Because there's no separation between a sole trader business and you as an individual, your tax affairs are essentially merged. Now, the upshot of that is any profits you make, remember you only ever get taxed on your profits in your sole trader business, any profits you make are added to your gross PAYE income. And similarly, any losses, which are very common in the early years of setting up and beginning a new business venture because of the setup costs, the training costs, the marketing, they get subtracted from your PAYE gross and you only pay tax on what's left. So for example, if you earn 50K in your day job and you make another 20,000 pounds profit from your sole trader business, that adds up to 70,000 pounds of taxable income. Were you to make a loss of say 10,000 pounds, then the same PAY income 50K minus 10K would net down to you only paying tax on a £40,000 taxable income. So whichever way down you go, remember to set aside some of your profit every month in a separate tax provision savings account. The money's going to be there and you won't dread your tax bill this way because the money isn't going to kill you there and then you've already put it aside and you haven't noticed that it's gone. It just happens to have gone into your bank account before it ends up in Johnny Taxman's bank account. Now, as a sole trader, you're pretty much limited to what you can do with pensions, which are one of my favourite things to talk about. You're limited to the SIP model, S-I-P-P, Self-Invested Personal Pension. Um, this will allow you some flexibility in where you, and how you invest and how you draw, draw the money out. Uh, pensions matter, guys. I used to think they were really boring, but now I realise they're very interesting from an investment and finance point of view. They're a great vehicle. I'll be doing a separate episode on pensions and how to use them to maximise your later years and your financial future in a few episodes' time. So, overall, 
some upsides some downsides to being a sole trader i did it that way for years i've just transitioned myself into something else uh, for me now the personal risk aspect of it is a big incentive to register as a limited company which i'll come down to in a bit okay now the second form of business the second model if you like is the limited liability partnership llp these are very popular with professionals and they are geared to essentially help people generate profit. Accountants, lawyers, they love LPs. So if it's good enough for those guys who are very smart and very shrewd, they're probably going to be good enough for us. Now, as an LLP, and you said NLP there, and that's something I've been doing over the weekend with Richard Bandler and Paul McKenna. I've been training to enhance my NLP skills. Should have been enhancing my reading skills. So as an NLP, you've got a requirement to file your accounts at Companies House and HMRC. The taxman needs to know about it. It's a halfway house kind of a thing between sole trader and limited company status. And there are different tax regulations compared to a limited company. Um, essentially, the LLP has got to have two people involved in it, uh, two designated members, they're called. Now, if you want to keep complete control of all of your businesses, one of your businesses, provided it's a limited company, can be what's called a limited member of the partnership. So for myself, my teaching business, which is Neil Camado Limited, will be a partner in my property business to move my individually held properties across into a partnership just for tax and inheritance purposes. So the, the partners, minimum of two, remember, are the overall decision makers and they're the people responsible for the day-to-day -day running of the company. They're also responsible for submitting the accounts on time and they have limited liability. That's what the name of the partnership's all about. The partners pay tax on the personal income they withdraw from the partnership. Just like taking money from a job, really. It all gets added onto your yearly self-assessment and that's where the taxable income is actually calculated. The, the big thing really for a partnership is the absence of corporation tax. The downside of this is that there's still inheritance tax liability. If the business owns things like properties, they're deemed to be just the same as if they were held by an individual. And we'll come on to that in a moment because I'll discuss inheritance tax in the limited company section because that's where Johnny Taxman can really eat away at everything you've done. So limited company environment then. So I'm talking about a private limited company. It all sounds very grand, doesn't it? This is one of the most popular business structures in the whole of the UK. A private limited company is actually a separate legal entity in its own right, totally separate from the people who own it in the eyes of the law. So although Neil Cameron Limited isn't me, it's got my name on it. This gives me something vital. It's a separation from myself and the business. 
uh, protects my assets. So essentially, if the company screws up, I'm standing in a completely different part of the world to it. And if the business crashes, it won't take my home away from me. It won't put anything like that at risk. A limited company must have at least one director, must be over the age of 16. Must have a registered office in the UK. This can be either your home, which I don't necessarily recommend, or your accountant, or another service provider, perhaps your lawyer. You have to file your history and your current appointments on company's house. And these are a matter of public record. Now, that, that openness, that transparency can be an advantage when doing business because potential business partners and co-parties to contracts can look at the company's house and find out whether you're kosher, how long you've been around. So that can be a real advantage. The company name's got to comply with government regulations. There are some words you're not allowed to use, and I think you can probably imagine what they are. Now... At the time of formation, which is called incorporation, you must issue at least one share. Now, I would suggest you go for a hundred or a thousand shares instead. It doesn't cost anything. You know, it's the same thing. It's only so that there's an idea of who owns what in the business. Now, if there's only one share in the business, which is the legal requirements, then how are you going to carve that up? If you decide to sell part interest in the business, or someone wants to buy into the business, or if you're aiming to distribute it when you die. We'll come on to that in a minute. So the liability of the shareholders is limited to their investment in the company and any unpaid shares they own. So remember, your personal assets are not at risk if the company is dissolved. Now, there are big tax advantages to being in a limited company. And the big one for me is inheritance tax. If you're worth over £325,000 when you die, and if you're in London, that's probably just a small house, then the tax man's going to nick 40% of anything over that amount. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd sooner think ahead and leave my son a business tax-free than to straight away give Johnny Taxman 40% of it. That's an extra 40% of tax on everything you've already paid over the years. I don't know how you feel about that. The reason this works is that when the property is owned by the company, you can pass the shares on in your business to your kids or whoever you want to pass it on to. And there's no inheritance tax on shares until they're sold. If your heirs do decide to sell, they'll pay capital gains tax only. And it's still disgustingly high. But at the moment, it's 18% for basic rate taxpayers, and it's 28% for high rate taxpayers. And that's a big difference to that 40%, which is what inheritance tax is going to steal. So the other big advantage for me is pensions. As a director, you can still have your own SIP, but the company can have a SAS, that's S-S-A-S, a a small self-administered scheme. It's a little bit more expensive and it's a little bit more work than your SIP, but it does allow you a lot more flexible investments. And I think there are certain advantages, so do get some good advice on your pensions, guys. And remember to look it up when we do that episode on the podcast. 
So when you think about where your business is going, if you start today when there's maybe not very much going on or when you're just gearing up or thinking of scaling up your business, of taking yourself up to what the Americans call the next level, which is language I absolutely don't like. But when you're thinking of just stepping up, think ahead. Because if you don't think ahead, you're going to end up somewhere and that might not be where you want to go with it. So there you go. That's my overview of company structures. That's my 10 cents worth. In the next episode, I'm going to be talking about routines and habits, how they can help or hinder you. And what are the habits that successful people have that you and I can adopt and adapt to help us to build and maintain successful businesses and have a happy life? Let me know how you get on, your triumphs, your tribulations, your questions and your aha moments. I'd love to hear from you. So join me, Neil Camero, the bloke with the funny name, in the next episode where we'll be talking tutoring and how you can start, grow and love your tutoring business. See you next time on the Tutor Podcast. Get in touch with the Tutor Podcast via email or social media and the Tutor Podcast team will be listening. Subscribe on iTunes and you'll automatically get the latest episode directly sent to your device. And remember to share, rate and review TTP so that we can help other people to start, grow and love their tutoring businesses.